Pass to Garrett Green, and Green's going to wind up and throw it back the other way. It's caught at the 10. It's a touchdown, USC. Garrett Green, a former high school quarterback, throws to Desmond Reed, the senior. And the Trojans are on the board with a little razzle-dazzle. It's 13 to nothing. How do you do? Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Okay, welcome back to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. This is episode number 20, the big 2-0. And our first segment, as always, we're joined by the coach, Harvey Hyde. Harvey, we're 20 today. Isn't that cool? I'll tell you, it's absolutely fantastic that uh, it can be 20. And I think it feels like one or two. We have so much fun talking about USC football and getting ready for this coming year is uh, exciting. Uh, big schedule, great home schedule. Uh, opening uh, day uh, against the University of Virginia, ACC opponent. I mean, what could be better? It's great. And, uh, yeah, I was a little worried. I mean, we started this podcast in the middle of a fairly dead season. You know, we did it was during spring ball, but that was ending. And we've been able to keep topics fresh and keep it going. So hopefully the readers out there enjoy it. Before we get going, I just want to thank our sponsor for this segment, which is Southern California Tickets. You can reach them at sctickets.com, 1-800-888-7287. If you have concerts, sporting events, or the theater you want to check out, go to sctickets.com and they'll help you out. They certainly certainly will. I'll tell you what, they're like a training room, you know, when you need your ankles taped or you need a little bit of nutrition or you need a little diathermy or whatever it is you call Southern California ticket service. That's great. Yeah. So they're, they're supposed to help me out with these wicked tickets. I haven't got around to getting them yet. I just have to give Curtis a call, but I will. Otherwise, okay, buddy. I'll get yelled at by my girlfriend. So um, don't let that happen. No. Well, if you have any questions for us on the podcast, you can always email us. Our email is podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can go to the message boards. And for those of you that have been on the site lately, you've probably seen some of the pictures of the incoming freshmen uh, that arrived on campus. They're kind of slowly arriving. They're not all there yet, uh, but they're taking part in these uh, summer workouts with Coach Carlisle, the strength and conditioning coach. And then some of them are throwing the ball afterwards or doing some line drills. And we're going to focus on those coming, some of those incoming guys in this segment of the show uh, with Coach and get some of his thoughts on that. Coach, does that sound okay? Sounds great to me. I'll tell you, you can't talk enough about uh, great players. Yeah, and one of, the, one of the, the best players in this class, he, Rivals had him at a four-star tight end. Uh, some we, I did talk to some of the evaluators at Rivals, and they easily could have made him a five-star as well. Uh, Blake Ailes, um, just, he's, he's a really good talent. We see him on campus. He just arrived uh, last week. He wasn't really taking part in the throwing sessions, and this week he did. Uh, just kind of learning the routes and catching some balls from Mark Sanchez, stuff like that. We'll actually have some video of all these guys in, in action going up on the site later today. Uh, but Blake Ailes is one of those kind of guys that when, when you're talking about the incoming freshman class, as talented as it is, there's not a lot of spots for them to really jump in and play. There's not like, oh, we need, you know, they need a defensive end to, to start because they have guys there. There's, there's a lot of positions, but they're pretty much filled at this point. Unless one of these freshmen you know, just really outshines the people in front of them, they're not going to play. One of those guys that has a chance is Blake Gales, coach. You're exactly right. Uh, I'll tell you that the tight end position is, is wide open. And, and, and I'll tell you what, you can't be timid as a freshman. You know, what happens sometimes is you come in and uh, you're intimidated by the returning players, and you sort of uh, watch, as you just mentioned, and you don't want to get in and, and have them get mad at you or say, hey, kid, you're at the back of the line. But this kid has the ability to play as a young player. Will he play real early? I'm not quite sure because of the competition of the early games, so Ohio State being the second game. I don't know if he'll be ready. But he has the talent. You know, in the uh, scouts that I've talked to, and the ESPN game he played in, some of the people back there that I really respect thought he may have been the best athlete in the entire camp because of his size, his speed, his hands. Uh, you know, he could be a great defensive end. 
Uh, he runs. He's caught a lot of touchdown passes. Uh, uh, he's been given every award out there that can be. And I agree with you. Uh, he's a four-star as far as rivals. But if there's ever a, ever a five-star player, this is what I call a five-star player. And you can't be a great football team without a great tight end. I'm talking about offensively. Because tight ends open up everything. You've got to be able to block. You've got to be able to have the secondary fear your ability as far as running with the football after you catch it. Uh, you, they, they can't uh, give you a lot of room thinking they can run you down. And this kid can run. This kid can block. This kid has been a starter for several years at Orange Lutheran. Everyone's aware of who he is. And I think he's a great catch. I think if a freshman has a chance to play early, now I'm not talking real early, I would think by midseason, Blake Ailes has that opportunity. I agree with you, Coach. And he does pass the eyeball test. Some of the guys that came off, we'll talk about them. I mean, wow, look how thin he is. Or they, they look a little small or whatever. I mean, they were fast. But Blake, you know, Blake Ailes definitely has a size, and he looks like he's ready to play. Um, speaking of size, well, there was a, a new addition to the – summer conditioning workouts on Tuesday that I went down for. It was a 6.30 a.m. workout, Coach. I'm down there. This is crazy. But uh, T.J. Bryant uh, out of Tallahassee, Florida, uh, much hyped that he committed to USC. He's one of those guys that was a defensive back since, you know, forever. He's, you know, there's, there's kind of rare. You know, a lot of guys that play a lot of positions. He was kind of groomed and brought up to be a defensive back. He came out there and looked, I mean, he looked, definitely looked slight. Uh, wasn't a huge kid. But he made a, He had an impact already in the throwing sessions. Um, there, the, the video will be going up. You can see this. I got a pretty good shot of it. He uh, intercepted a Mark Sanchez pass, dove for it, and intercepted it in the middle of the field. And his teammates came over and congratulated him. So I think he uh, made himself, you know, made a name for himself in that first throwing session workout there. Well, you know, he was sort of a coup. He when they uh, signed uh, T.J. Bryant. Uh, on National Letter of Intent Day, he was a coup. I mean, a lot of people said, who? How did they get him? They got him right out of Florida. And here's a kid that, you know, is ranked in the top 100 players in America. Uh, he is probably ranked in a lot of the polls the second best quarterback, or cornerback, excuse me, in the country. Uh, he's got great speed. Uh, and he, you go right down, as he goes right down into the state of Florida, where Florida, Florida State, you've got all these teams in Miami, Florida, uh, recruiting uh, these great athletes. And they went right down in there and, and got this player. And this player certainly is a great player. And, you know, I would say this. Now, I argue with a lot of the publications that are out there that are ranking the top secondaries in the country. And most of them, they have SC, two or three or so on. But I think SC will have this year the top secondary in the country. I, I agree. Know, they have great you. linebackers, but I'm telling you, I think their secondary is fabulous. Yeah, I mean the two best safeties in the country, you could argue, you know, Taylor Mays and Ellison, and they have a, you know a ton of corners. Sharice Wright is an amazing talent, and uh, just adding a guy like T.J. Bryant into the mix, I mean, it's only going to make them better. And they're they're deep there, and I, I I agree with you, coach. I think it's the best secondary in the country. I agree a hundred percent, and I'll tell you. Uh, and, and this kid, T.J. Bryant, coming in will uh, get a lot of experience playing with a secondary like this. He's going to have to learn to get physical, as you say. He's not a big guy, but he's a fast guy. He runs about 4'4", 4, 4, 4, uh, He'll be able to play man and lock on you and so on. But, uh, you know, until you get that first hit and you find out what it's all about, and, uh, you know, he'll be learning. But I think he'll be a special teams player. I think he'll play early, and I think he brings a lot to USC's uh, secondary because, you know, in the past, and I don't want to jinx them in any way, but they've had injuries in their secondary, especially at the corner position. And, and this is a kid that I think can come in and make an impact early if necessary. Yeah, so two guys there, we first two mentioned, Blake Gales and T.J. Bryan, I think have the best shot of seeing the field as true freshmen. Uh, one of the guys that looks really interesting, and you know, there's a lot of receivers, but you know, you can argue that none of them have really stepped out and proved themselves. If one of the young guys comes in and tears it up, he could see the field as well. And uh, Bryce Butler, one of those potential guys, he's a four-star dude out of Georgia, so another out-of-state commit uh, that Pete Carroll got. Um, he's about six-two. He looked about six-two when I saw him out in the field. 
The one thing you notice about him right away, I mean, he's he's a lean guy. He's not like he's huge, but he has he, long, long arms. Like his, I don't I don't know what his wingspan is. We have to measure that or something. Super long arms. We put some pictures up last week and then again today, and that's just the first thing you notice. This kid has long arms. Seemed to catch the ball pretty well. Uh, they didn't do much yesterday as far as uh, completing passes. They didn't do any kind of uh, throwing lines. They mostly just did seven on seven, and the defense really dominated the day. Uh, but yeah, Bryce Butler looks like he can t- potentially be a player, and I'm sure he's going to fill out and uh, kind of be one of those bigger mold receivers uh, by the time he's like a sophomore or junior at USC. I agree with you, and I'll tell you one thing that SC, I think, uh, needs, uh, and they have too in Johnson and Williams and others, of course, is burners out there, guys that can uh, make the defensive back just fear them. And, uh, you know, he has good speed, 4-4, 4-4-5. He's tall. He's thin, but uh, he's tough. You know, he was recruited by great schools. I mean, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Notre Dame, Oregon, Penn State, just to mention a few. And for them to go down, and you know the Georgia program right now is unbelievable. Sure, it's yeah. Top. And to, for them to go down and and to get uh, Butler out of Georgia and bring him out to USC and have all the receivers that USC has means this kid is a competitor. This kid is not afraid to come out and play and go against the best in America. He's ranked as one of the top receivers in the country. Uh, and, and I think he's going to be a tremendous addition to USC. I'm interested when camp starts to watch and see how he carries a uniform because when you're thin, a lot of times a uniform makes a great difference as far as the weight of a uniform and a helmet and all of that. I'm interested to see how he carries a uniform and what his true speed is with a uniform on. Because that's where it all is. is Some kids carry uniforms well, and then some kids can run great 40s without their uniform on, but then when they put the uniform on, it slows them down a bit. So I'm interested to see how that goes, uh, Ryan. Yeah, no, that's a a good point. I did get to see him in person in San Antonio at the Army All-American game, and I didn't really notice anything. I mean, he looked like he fit the uniform fine. I didn't really notice anything. It was only until we saw him in, like, this really tight – workout shirt and shorts and uh just his arm when he was standing there at the line of scrimmage waiting for the play to go off and his arms hanging down there just notice like wow his arms are really long uh it's not that he's super thin i mean he's a thin guy but he just has really long arms so that that wingspan probably can only help him uh hauling in some passes there for the trojans oh there's no no question about it you know when you can go up and get a football that's like going up and getting a rebound in basketball and that's really important to be able to get up in the air and catch those fades and catch those slants and, and uh, have the ability to go and get the football. That's real important. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, one of the last guy I wanted to talk about a little bit on the offensive line, uh, Tyron Smith. He's one of the five-star recruits, according to Rivals.com, coming out of uh, high school. And I didn't get to see him, unfortunately, because the offensive line isn't really participating in the seven-on-seven drills. They do a little bit of... Uh, one-on-one line drills, but they're, you know, without pads, they're just kind of, you know, running through footwork and stuff like that. Uh, Tyron seemed to hold his own in that, but it was, you know, those reps were very brief, so I wouldn't take too much of the that evaluation. But he does not look like, I mean, he looks like a a bodybuilder more than a, an offensive lineman. And, uh, you know, just he kind of has a, usually you see offensive linemen, they're big and they're strong. But, you know, they might have a little belly on them. They're a little, or, you know, there's not like a six pack there usually. And we put up some pictures of him yesterday and just, I mean, he looks good. He just looks cut. I don't know. I haven't seen too many offensive linemen like that, Coach. Well, I tell you, uh, you know, he, he comes out with all the credentials. Marino Valley uh, High School. Uh, in fact, uh, he was recruited by everybody in the country. And it was sort of surprising when USC got him because of the amount of offensive linemen that USC was getting. And uh, he graded out over 90% in his blocking assignments uh, during the season in high school. Uh, he's big, he's strong, and as you said, he's not soft. And, and, and that's a term I like to use, soft, which means, you know, you have to go in and change your body structure. You have to get with Coach Carlisle and lose weight and then put, put it back on in a mus- muscular structure and so on. This kid has lifted weights. He's not huge as far as, you know, a lot of people thinking he's a 300-pounder. 
he's six six, and I'm I'm guessing he's two seventy, and that's big. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's the right size today when you can move in the offensive line because you're playing a lot of quick defensive linemen now. You've got to be able to do certain things and and so on. But he's not the kid that's 320, 330 that comes in and, and you have to get him down to 270 or 300 and start over. So I think it's a, a tremendous uh, opportunity for this kid. Uh, will he play young? I'm not quite sure because of the competition early. It's too bad you can't go and redshirt a lot of these kids, even without medical redshirts when they're hurt, because these kids really grow. Some of them don't want to be redshirted. Some do, and the ones that do want to get redshirted really benefit a lot getting that extra year of practice and going against great players, especially at a great school like USC, because you're going against great players every day. So I don't know if this kid, if they need him, but uh, I don't know if he wants to be redshirted. But he's a true great, great player. Everything I read about him and hear about him, he's a great player. Yeah, I got to see him at several camps, and uh, along with Matt Khalil and the offensive lineman were at USC camps last year, and we got to see him at the uh, Army All-American game as well. Um, I mean, just, yeah, just great talents. I, I think the biggest people will say, well, why could Tyron Smith start or could or Matt Khalil start because there's so many questions on the offensive line? Uh, you talent-wise, yeah, I think they're up there with you know everyone USC has right now. It's just the experience. And, Coach, you know it's not really easy to come in as a true freshman and start on the offensive line. No, because that's the hardest position to play. It really is. You have to learn to all your blocking rules. You have to learn how to pass block. You have to learn the different schemes, the calls. You have to learn how to man block. You have to look at a seal block and all the different things that happen out there, draw block and so on. So it's not easy to play as a as a freshman in the offensive line. Yet SC's had a couple do that the past couple of years because of injuries. But uh, he has the physical stature to do that. I hope he doesn't have to play, which means that means no one's getting injured and so on, and the depth is there and so on. But I hope that you know uh, he can redshirt. Man, I, I hate to see all these linemen commit at one time and not play and use up eligibility. But that's happening, and uh, he's a you know he's rated as a a 10 uh, or a five-star in every poll that was out there this past year. I mean, he was a five-star or a 10, and everyone knows what a 10 is. A 10 is – a pure 10 is the best, and he certainly is that type of athlete. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. All right, well, that's our time for this segment. And uh, there's just well, – real quickly, some of the other guys I saw down there was Armand Armstead. He was down there. Um, Khalid Holmes was down there. Wes Horton. Malik Jackson, Una Kavienga, and uh, Matt Khalil is not there yet. Um, and D- DJ Shoemate's also down there. Matt Meyer's already enrolled. He was there in the spring. Um, so, yeah, so there's a bunch of other guys down there and some more to still to show up. The players are actually on a week break. They, uh, they get a, a nice week off, so the out-of-state players are allowed to fly home one last time before the summer workouts continue and fall camp starts. And so we'll be back. They'll be back out there on Tuesday. I'll be there, so we'll have some more uh, reports from campus for our next podcast next Wednesday. But until then, Coach, just wanted to uh, thank you for your time, and uh, thanks for joining us again. And thank you again for being so dedicated and getting out and letting everybody know what's going on. Of course, of course. And also one one more thank you to our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. Give them a call at 800-888-7287. Coach, thanks again. And thank you, Ryan, and happy 4th of July weekend to everyone. Yes, yes, you too, Coach, and everyone out there. We'll be back after after this break, quick break. We're going to talk to Oregon State's publisher about previewing the Oregon State game, so stay tuned for that. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. 
Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. Now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Okay, welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. And in this segment, we have a very special guest, Angie Machado from BeaverBlitz.com. She is the publisher of Beaver Blitz. They cover, do a great job covering Oregon State athletics. Angie, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ryan. Okay, we're going to preview the third game of the season for USC. It's the fourth game of the season for Oregon State. Before we do that, just wanted to thank our sponsor for this segment. It is the Law Offices of Bart Ring. So if you have any legal problems, anyone out there in Trojan land, you can give Bart Ring a call. He's a loyal Trojan, been helping Trojans with their legal problems for the last 20 years. Give him a call at 818-587-9299 or go to bartringlaw.com. Angie, he would, uh, I think Bart would help you out too if you have any legal problems up there. Oh, good, good, good. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I'll pass it on to Coach Riley, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he'll need some. He seems like a squeaky clean guy. Um, I know, yeah. Yeah, so if anyone has any questions for us, you can always email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. But just let's get in and start talking about the Oregon State Beavers. They, uh, Angie, last year they had a great season, 9-4. and four. Um, I guess, you know, coming back, we talked about uh, the Ohio State game, the other OSU on USC schedule. They have just about everybody coming back. Oregon State, not so much. There's uh, only 10 returning stars coming back, second fewest in the Pac-10, I believe, to UCLA that only has nine. Or, are there a lot of concerns up there in uh, Beaverland? Uh, yeah, you know, the, the, we lost the whole front seven, um, the defense, which led the nation in, in uh, run defense last year. So there's, there is some concern there, but uh, the Beavers really rotate a lot of guys through the system. So that although they might not be starters, they, they bring guys back with game experience. But definitely, you know, some concerns there. Um, Lost a couple great alignment, and <clears throat> of course Alexis Serna, our our star kicker, grows award winner is, is has graduated, so a new kicker will be broken in as well. Yeah, I think Serna was there, wasn't he? Like fifteen years he was kicking up there. I know, <laughs> I know. It seemed like it, it was a long time from that LSU game where he he missed those three extra points to to where he finished, but. His four years are up. Yeah, it's it's funny. There's some, some guys. I mean, you start following the Pac-10 like we do, and. You just start seeing guys over and over again. It, you know, it seems like a lot longer than it is. And some people are like, God, that guy is still playing. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. He was, he was oh, one of is. those kickers. And uh, speaking of that LSU game, I, I think one of the biggest um, criticisms of the Pac-10 is, you know, outside of USC, getting some of the other schools in the Pac-10 to go out and win big games out of conference. And that, I mean, that game was just the, the typical, oh, it's just a perfect opportunity. Oregon State had that game, had it won. Obviously, they couldn't convert on those kicks. There's happened so many other schools where they just 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 fall short and not be able to do it. Oregon State's got a a chance again to to play a big name school out of conference, and you know the second game of the season they're going to Penn State. Uh, what yeah. what are the what are the you know Beaver fans think about that game coming up? Oh, there's a lot of excitement. Obviously, um, heading back and, and taking on a, a traditional power like Penn State. You know, I think I think Beavers. I, I think the the coaches and the and the players have great expectations and and the fans as well you know maybe the national media might be overlooking that game but i expect good things you know sammy strotter all-american wide receiver is back this year um the quarterbacks both lyle moivau and sean canfield will be coming back so um although right now it's lyle moivau is the the incumbent but sean's coming back after that shoulder injury and and looks to make make a, a play as well so I think there's some good things that, you know, the Pac-10 might not overlook the Beavers, but um, I can see the national media maybe picking Penn State in a landslide, and it's, I don't think it's going to be that way. Yeah, there's, a, I mean, there's some excellent opportunities this year with, uh, you know, Pac-10 schools always scheduling well. I mean, there, there'll be some patsies on the schedule sometimes, but usually every Pac-10 school at least has one or two, sometimes three, national powers on their schedule and this is definitely one of those opportunities to to make a statement for the conference against the big 10 you know and and penn state's breaking in a quarterback as well so um you know the chance is definitely there it's it's a long trip back to the east coast but you know i i know the beaver players are really looking forward to it 
All right. Well, let's kind of look at the uh, the Beaver team a little bit. You, you mentioned some of the positions. One of the one of them that you did mention was that quarterback. Um, you know, Sean Canfield came. He actually was injured against USC last against year. Against USC, yeah, yeah fourth and, quarter. And uh, so he's coming in. It's is he? Did he kind of come out of the spring as the, you know, as the number one quarterback? Sean actually had to have shoulder surgery. Um, he was out the rest of the season after that SC game last year. Came in after uh, Moyaval hurt himself in, like, I believe, the second quarter of the Maryland Emerald Bowl game. Um, he came in and finished the game for the win and then went down and actually saw a surgeon in his hometown of San Diego who said he needed surgery. So he sat out spring this year. Um, but he has you know, been studying game film and is ready to go. Lyle looked good during, during spring camp, but I don't know if he necessarily cemented his spot, depending on what Sean can do this, this summer and fall. All right, so there's. It looks like there'll be open competition come fall. I didn't. I didn't realize that he was uh, out for the spring. That's, I knew he yeah, came he was back out in all that. Spring. Okay, I knew he came back for that Emerald Bowl game. But okay, all right. I got to do a little more research for you, Angie. Sorry about <laughs> that. So that's good. Uh, running back position. You know, Bernard was a stud. Um, who's coming? Like, who's coming back now? Who, who can uh, USC fans expect to see in the backfield for Oregon State? Well, there's there's a couple guys. Um, you know, the the young young one is a. a athlete out of Corona, California, by the name of Ryan McCants. He's a redshirt, I think it's a sophomore this year. Um, great vision. Uh, you know, Evanson was the incomplete package, so it's working with Ryan now. Evanson could block, he could catch. He was just tough, tougher than nails. Um, Ryan, you know, fans tend to compare him more to a Steven Jackson. He's tall, has good vision. Um, so he brings something different to the table, but, you know, it's so hard to, to replace Evanson. There's also um, an athlete that came out of El Camino Junior College by the name of Brian or Jeremy Francis, who really impressed people in during spring camp. So, kind of those two are who you're going to be watching, Ryan McCants and uh, Jeremy Francis. All right, and then uh, you did mention the receiver, uh, you know, Sammy Strader's coming back. He is uh, back. He is back, and uh, you know who's going to be playing alongside of him. I mean, obviously he's a, a tremendous talent, but who else is uh, who else is the quarterback going to be looking for? Um, well, you have a, red shirt, or a, a sophomore, a true sophomore in Daryl Catchings and a true sophomore in James Rogers, who um, he, he was a true freshman last year, played out of Texas, who kind of opened up the playbook as the season went on um, with some fly sweep, and, and they opened up the, the, the playbook for James. He's explosive. Um, actually, going back to the, wide, or to the running back, James's little brother, younger brother, I should say, Jaquiz, who led the state of Texas in uh, touchdowns and uh, a well over 5,000-yard parade All-American. He's joining the Beavers this year and looks to compete at running back as well. But um, both James and Jaquiz look to impress. And like I said, Daryl Catchings. There's Shane Morales, who has great hands. And uh, and then Sammy. Yeah, well, Jaquiz, uh, that's how you say his name, Jaquiz? Jaquiz. Jaquiz, interesting. Uh, Jaquiz Rogers. Um, so he's the, okay, I didn't realize they didn't have the brother on the team. They actually, if you look at, uh, Phil Steele's college football preview, he projects him to be the starting running back. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't even heard yeah, of him before. Yeah. You know, Ryan McCants kind of, you know, took obviously all the snaps, but Jaquiz is, is a hardworking uh, kid and, uh, he expects to come in and, and, and make a play and it, it'll be fun to watch, watch those two out there. Yeah. Um, all right. So on the offensive line last year. I believe everybody came back. I don't think anyone else in the Pac-10 had that happen. Uh, this year, lose a couple guys. Um, how, did, how did the whole unit kind of look in spring? Um, they looked they looked pretty good. Um, some of the guys, you know, kind of sat out with some injury and let some of the younger guys play um, and get some experience. But you know, we we bring back Andy Lavitri. Jeremy Perry will be back, who is an All-American um, at guard, and uh, you know, they they should be. You know, we we are breaking in a new center who looks to be Marcus Henderson. So, you know, that, that'll be the, the big you know, test this fall is to see how, how the quarterbacks in the new center respond. But it, it should be a, a strong unit as well. All right. And then uh, switching over to defense, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, there were some big losses, only three returning starters. Um, so, I mean, but you said, you know, as at Oregon State, and Mike Riley does like to use some kind of rotation. Just starting with the guys up front, um, who kind of looked good in the spring and, and – you know, who do you think is going to have an impact year this year on the line? Oh, gosh. You know, Victor Butler and Slade Norris, they're two. They were typically third-down specialists last year, both at defensive end. Uh, Victor Butler actually led the team with sacks last year, 
and uh, he will be looking to play every down with Slade. Both are extremely fast off the end and uh, look to have breakout years. At tackle, uh, Stephen Paea had a good year, a, a good spring. He's a, a junior college transfer, and uh, Pernell Booth is a is a veteran that. Uh, Who's going to be on there? Okay, yeah. and then uh, um, how about the linebacker spot? Does anyone uh, really catch your eye watching out there? Uh, Keaton Christick looks to be um, very impressive, and you know, he's he's got a lot of reps. He, you know, he, he saw playing time as a true freshman. He's a hard hitter. Uh, Keaton Christick, and uh, also a young, a young guy by the name of uh, Keith Panky. He's actually a true sophomore and and looks to make a, an impact as well. Okay, and then uh, so then the secondary. If you guys lost a, a lot of people up front in the front seven, obviously there's a lot of people coming back in the secondary. It looks like it is a a really experienced secondary. Is this going to be the strength of the defense for Oregon State? You know, I, I think so. Um, you know, obviously everybody's going to be watching that. You know, we return the secondary, Alaf Falava, Brandon Hughes, Keenan Lewis all return. Um, you know, don't under, underestimate that front seven, but I do think, you know, with the experience coming back there, the secondary should be, you know, should be pretty good this year. All right, yeah. So it looks like, I mean, just for people, you know, some of the USC fans that haven't checked out the Beavers, uh, I mean, the, the secondary pretty much is coming back intact. Even though the front seven is gone, the, the the main pass rushers who were used in that rotation still are there. So I mean, there's yeah, yeah. still sack potential, and there's still uh, there's still a lot of potency left in this Oregon State defense. And some of the younger guys you have to see how they come up and uh, how they perform. And, and you know, linebacker, you know, Oregon State's taken great pride in their linebackers over the past few years, and and there's there's some great players. And again, I I think this fall I'm I'm going to be keying in really with the linebackers, and it's just going to be a matter of how quick they can get those those game legs under them All right. but well, they do have experience and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they have how, how fast they can grow up okay well that's that's looking at the oregon state team let's uh look at the game a little bit i think all of the usc fans kind of know what happened there in 2006 um obviously a tough place to play riley has a really great home record um i mean i, I think oregon state in general just since kind of when they broke that that streak of consecutive losing seasons back in, I think it was 99 or 2000. 99, yeah, 99. Yeah, I mean, just impeccable record at home. Uh, just, you know, a tough place to play. I think Riley's even undefeated in bowl games, too, if I'm not mistaken. I uh, think you're right. Yeah. I'm trying to th- yeah, I think you're right. Not not too bad, not too bad. Um, you know, obviously they have the potential to beat USC. They did it a couple years ago up in, at, at, you know, in uh, Corvallis. What are uh, I'm you know it's fourth game of the season for Oregon State so they're not talking about it but what are the overall thoughts are people anyone's the message boards any people talking about this game when USC visits uh, Corvallis? You know not not quite yet that's you know right now I mean we start off you know with a conference game at Stanford so uh, we kick things off right smack Pac-10 you know opener there then head to Penn State and then have Hawaii come visit at home so uh, there's no easy easy weeks there and. And really, nobody's talking ahead. But I know, you know, Beaver fans, Beaver players, Beaver coaches all look forward to that that Southern Cal game. Just it ratchets it up, the, ratchets it up, ratchets it up the competition, and uh, just uh, it's always a fun game. Certainly, I, I like how you said Hawaii too. Like you, you pronounce it like an Islander. I like that. Oh are you, are, yeah, yeah. Are you from there I'd or like something? To think, or? I guess. <laughs> they, you know, sometimes they put. We the like little... to go when well, we try to go. You know, every once in a while to go visit. That's a great game. When you can schedule a, a game at Hawaii, Hawaii, you know, it's a, it's a fun trip. You got to go out there and check it out. I mean, if you, the game always, isn't always all that great, but just to be able to go to Hawaii for a game. You know, you know I didn't a, go last time. So um, that was, we played there two years ago and then um, they're coming over playing here um, that third game of the season. So oh, yeah, they're so, making the trip over. So yeah, they don't make too many trips. They only play like no, they don't. four away games or something. Yeah. But, but they're, I think they're going to Florida this year. And, and oh, wow. Corvallis. So, yeah, they have some. And no Colt Brennan, so. Colt Brennan's gone. They'll just plug someone else in and they'll throw for a billion <laughs> yards. And stuff. Uh, so, no, you know, it's, it's, yeah, like I said, USC is always, you know, one of the, you know, the big games. And, and it is a, it's a good test to see overall where you're, you know, where your team's at. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, it is USC's third game of the season. They got to go to Virginia on the road to start off the season. They have a bye, then they play in Ohio State, which is going to be obviously a huge, you know, probably the biggest out of conference game of the season in college football. 
uh, at least up until that point, they'll both be top two, three, or four, or whatever in the country. Uh, and they have another bye week and have to go up to, to Corvallis. So it's not an easy start to the schedule um, for USC. It depends on what happens. I mean, USC could go 2-0 and and be a little complacent and go up there. Uh, maybe they get beat by you know Ohio State, and then they're going to be fired up for the, the Oregon State game. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. USC's definitely had, a, had their moments where they kind of slack off on some of these you know, the Pac-10 games with teams that are familiar with them and, and, and they've lost, you know, they lost to Oregon State a couple of years ago using Stanford, you know, UCLA. So it's definitely happened. They don't lose very often though. Not too often, but it's, <laughs> it's big news when they do. For some, it you know. is big news when they lose. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, hey, Angie, I really appreciate your time. Thank you uh, for sharing your insights on the Beavers. I'm sure we'll talk to you again once the game gets closer. We're trying to do these, you know, make the summer go by a little bit, get these previews during the, uh, during the summer and get people kind of fired up for college football when it starts coming up in uh, about two months. Oh, I know. August can't get here soon enough. Next month, fall camp starts. I know. Can you, uh, I know. Fall camp for Oregon State starts August 1, so um, less than a month away. Wow. It, you know, next month are actually the games. You know, USC yeah, and... Yeah. Uh, August 28, we play Stanford. Wow. Yeah, so I can, so that's kind of crazy. Now, if you say next month, that means something. You know, that's it's really yes, yes. It's almost. But you don't here. want to wish your summer away, but yet you know, college football can't get here soon enough. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I hope your husband is a very big college football fan because you are, and that's good to know. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks, Ryan. All right, and stay tuned after the break. We're going to talk to Gerard Martinez about USC football recruiting. So stay tuned for that. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Trojan fans, have legal problems or questions only an attorney can answer? Contact the law offices of Bart Ring. Bart is a proud Trojan alum who has been taking care of the legal needs of the USC family, its alumni and fans, for over 20 years. Like the Trojans under Pete Carroll, Bart and his team achieve successful results for their clients by preparation and outworking the opposition. Call Bart at 818-587-9299 or go to bartringlaw.com to see if he can help you with your legal issues. Don't forget to mention the Peristyle Podcast for a free consultation. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. All right, welcome back to our third and final segment of the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. In this segment, we're going to be talking to uscfootball.com recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez. Gerard, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Just waiting for 4th of July. 4th of July weekend coming up. This is uh, Gerard's week off, but he's still been working every day, unfortunately. <laughs> a week off. My working vacation, huh? He, he's a hard worker, so all you uh, uscfootball.com subscribers, hope you appreciate this guy. He knows his stuff, and he's working hard for you, trying to get you the best information out there. Um, the USC Rising Stars camp, so it's a, obviously a huge, huge camp. I don't know if a lot of the fans kind of know what goes on in these camps, but you know, this is the coaching staff bringing in a lot of kids by invite, and uh, for whatever reason, USC's camp just seems to bring in huge, huge amounts of top talent from across the country. Yeah, and uh, it's the main reason is just because those guys work so hard at doing it. Um, they have some great relationships nationally, and USC has always kind of been looked at, under Pete Carroll at least, as a national juggernaut when it comes to recruiting. And they put together an excellent camp. It was one of the best camps that I've ever been to. Um, you know, it's it's hard to rival bringing in kids from South Carolina, Florida, uh, obviously California, but just – you know, the talent, whether it be just the seniors or some of those guys that are 2B juniors, it was uh, pretty spectacular, and it was a lot of fun to be out there. Yeah, it was fun. I was out there, too, covering it. It's, it's funny. When I go to these things, I'm more of the team guy. You know, I need to get, like, refreshed on some of who these people are, and uh, Gerard's always like, oh, he's blah, 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 from where and where. And he, so Gerard's always on it, which is good stuff for me. Uh, but some of the, the – we had the uh, Elite 11 come out from that camp, the Hot 11, uh, the hot eleven, yeah. uh, Jibber uh, Crabtree and Rick Kimbrell put this together uh, from the Rising Stars camp, and uh, just kind of looking up and down the list, a lot of uh, people with USC interest there. Obviously, it's USC's camp, but way up the top, Matt Barkley, obviously the the number one player in the country, and he kind of led the way for a whole bunch of different guys, and some that were even uh, from the class of uh, of 2010, not 2009. Yep, and uh, the. 
main name, the leader of that class, uh, so to speak, is Dylan Baxter, 5'11", 195-pound running back from Mission Bay High School there in San Diego. And um, a guy that's, uh, you know, has been to uh, USC camps in the past and obviously kind of a, a phenom of sorts since his freshman year. He was an all-state, all-CIF pick as a freshman playing varsity football. And uh, this year he came out to the Rising Stars camp, expected an offer, and got an offer, and committed there uh, right after the camp on the spot when he got that offer. And uh, just, a, just a really spectacular player. I mean, you know, in hindsight, we talk about all the great players that showed up to the Rising Stars camp, and the receiver position was probably the strongest. Had a lot of really good players. Had guys uh, like uh, Alshon Jeffries, who comes all the way from South Carolina, a kid that committed to USC recently, four-star guy, probably a top 100 guy. You have uh, Marlon Brown, five-star receiver, number two, ranked in the nation, coming out from Memphis, Tennessee. You have uh, Randall Carroll there, who's a five-star receiver from Cathedral High School in Los Angeles. All these great players in the 2009 class, and then you bring out – Dylan Baxter. And Dylan Baxter, who's really a running back by trade, got a lot of reps, especially in the second day, playing receiver. And quite frankly, he might be the best receiver I've seen all spring, all summer. He wow. has phenomenal hands, effortlessly with his route, um, so smooth and fast. He's, he's not a blazer. He's not a Reggie Bush type in terms of straight line speed. He's not even a Randall Carroll kind of guy like that. But when he's actually running his routes and he's on his breaks, He's so fast and so quick, he gets a lot of separation. And like I said, it's just effortless when you watch him catch the ball and, and make runs You know, after he has the ball in his hands. He's, he's spectacular. He's got great moves, great agility, great awareness. Um, just overall, a guy that we're looking at probably in the future being a five-star guy. So USC off to a great start with the 2010 class. They've got a few offers out there to 2010 guys, but he's obviously kind of going to be the leader of the pack uh, already committed. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, I, you know, I was down on campus yesterday and a lot of the guys from the class of 2008 are coming in. So these are guys we've been talking about for a couple of years and we are finally seeing them on campus today. And then, you know, last week you're talking about the class of 2009 and you're thinking that's the most current class, but obviously you still have the guys that are coming in that just, you know, that committed in uh, that signed in February. And then for having 2010 names out there and it's just, it's kind of crazy. The, the, the rotation, how deep it is and how much on top of, you know, how the situations that coaches have to be because they have to be recruiting the guys that are sophomores becoming juniors, not just guys that are in their senior year in high school. Well, guess what? We're going to be down at the Home Depot Center here uh, next week, and we'll be down there actually covering a lot of the 2011 guys. Um, so we're already, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're ahead of the curve, and you kind of have to be. That's the way recruiting is going. And uh, obviously, you know, USC has adjusted to that, and, you know, Schools and colleges across the nation have adjusted to that. It's just uh, kind of the way it has to be. And, um, you know, the debate over uh, an early signing period comes up time and time again, but that's another can of worms. Let's, uh, let's stay away from getting into that debate, focus on what we have here. And, and like I said, you know, they got a really good start here at USC with, uh, with Dylan Baxter. Yeah, well, uh, one of the other studs that was there, he's also on the Hot 11. He's on the other side of the ball, uh, Devon Kennard. Uh, out of Arizona, uh, just I mean he's a freak. I don't I don't think I saw anyone block him the entire time. I think on day two someone might have kind of slowed him down once, but he was just he was just a beast. A man uh, just looked like a man among boys to me. Just uh, as dominant as you're going to see in a camp. Um, uh, and being from Arizona, obviously a lot of people throw out the Everson Griffin comparison. Not the same kind of player as Everson Griffin. He he's really not the freakish athlete that Everson Griffin is. Evans, Everson was a guy who was, you know, running in the low four six range at you know two hundred sixty five pounds. Um, he was playing running back and did some pretty spectacular things as a running back, uh, playing at his you know, at his uh, high school at Gura Fria, uh there in Phoenix. Where you have Davon Kennard's more of a of a football player, a guy who's really clever, a guy who has excellent quickness, who plays. Uh, between the tackles, plays between the hashes with incredible uh, instinctive abilities. And you see him, and he just doesn't give you the same look twice as a pass rusher. And, you know, obviously his brother there, Derek Kennard Jr., played in the NFL, played with the Indianapolis Colts as a defensive tackle, and his father, Derek uh, Kennard Sr., played offensive line with the Dallas Cowboys, played with Ken Norton Jr., in fact. So you've got a family line there. There's a lineage 
where they understand, you know, what it takes to really play football at this level. And you see a kid like that come in, and he's, you know, he's 250-something pounds, and he's about 6'2 and a half. He's so explosive, he's so strong, but he's so clever in how he does it. Every movement he has, nothing's wasted with him. He's very efficient in how he rushes the passer with his technique. So, yeah, they, there was nobody there that could really block him. Uh, Kevin Graff had a great camp. He stepped up and got him a couple times. Um, and Xavier Suofilo, towards the end of the camp, had a couple good reps against him. But, you know, overall, yeah, uh, out of I don't know how many reps uh, Devon Kennard had uh, in that camp, he lost very, very few of them. Yeah, I put up a highlight package from the first day of the camp, and everyone's like, he never, no one ever stopped him. He just got to the the quarterback every single time. And, yeah, I just, I remember watching him at the camp last year, and, you know, he's a little smaller, I think. You know, he's, he's kind of grown into his body a little bit more this year, but just, just an absolute stud. Jeremy Crabtree couldn't say enough about him. He's going, and he always went against top linemen. It wasn't like he was playing against some of the scrubs out there. He he just dominated everyone he went against. And uh, well, this is a kid last year who was calling out Matt Khalil and Matt Meyer and the offensive linemen in the 2008 class uh, at the lineman camp last year <laughs> at USC. So he he's obviously very competitive and he's willing to go against everybody and prove himself against everybody. And you look at last year's class and those guys like Matt Khalil, I mean, those guys are really a step above this year's offensive line class. Not, not, not nearly as good uh, in terms of overall talent um, and depth. And so when he went against those guys last year and had success against those guys last year, was one of the few players we saw to have any kind of success against Matt Khalil. Um, you knew this year he was going to come in and, and be pretty dominant. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look at some of the news that came out of the camp. Um, some, there were some offers for sure. I think, uh, you know, there was a couple offers that went out and there was a couple commitments. Um, I, I think these offers like last year, a couple guys like Morel Presley was one of the guys that got an offer and then ended up committing. Uh, he, you know, he was a 2009 guy when they were looking mostly at 2008 guys. There's a couple guys kind of similar this year. Can you talk about them a little bit? Well, uh, well with Morel, he was kind of, I guess the Dylan Baxter of his class. I mean, he was, uh, last year committed to USC after a camp, um, which was kind of a year ahead of his class, whereas this year um, you had Dylan Baxter kind of doing the same. The offers that went out that are the real big impact offers uh, from this Rising Stars camp uh, were one, James Boyd, who's uh, about 6'4", 230-pound defensive end, flash athlete from L.A. Jordan High School. Uh, he was a guy that came in. A lot of people looked at him as an offensive recruit. He played quarterback. Uh, and for his high school, and that's kind of what he's known about, you know, kind of known for doing. He went to the Nike camp and also performed as a quarterback. So we didn't really have a look at him on defense. We didn't know what kind of speed he had, um, you know, against really good rusher, or excuse me, against really good offensive tackles. We just didn't know what he was going to be about instinctually uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Some guys just don't have the attitude to play defense. Well, in this camp, we saw him play against some pretty good linemen. He definitely has the attitude. He has the explosion. I think Devon Kennard was one of those guys that kind of said, hey, his first step is really impressive. And you watch him on tape, and there's a few clips of him playing defensive end there in his highlight tape there on his uh, rival's profile, and you'll see him explode, explode in the offensive backfield. He gets there sometimes before the quarterback gets the snap. I mean, he's really quick. So you're looking at a guy that's definitely kind of that Leo, weak side defensive end, speed rusher, um, didn't run spectacular times. I think he was in the 4-9 four, uh, four, range in terms of his 40 times at the Rising Stars camp. Uh, but definitely a great athlete, great awareness, and uh, kind of a big pickup for USC because it continues that momentum in the city section and in the inner city with their recruiting. It, They've done an excellent job this year. I mean, that's really the one thing uh, where in the past, you know, last year UCLA was really the, the school that kind of jumped early on the city section kids, did some good things at Dorsey, did some good things at Crenshaw. Well, USC has kind of taken back the momentum. They kind of turned the tide, if you will, uh, with the city section kids. So they get James Boyd, and then they turn around, uh, and officially it was just uh, this week, uh, they get Byron Moore, who's a, a six foot, 200-pound, uh, four-star athlete, Army All-American um, from Narmont High School in Harbor City. And this is a kid who came to the camp, was committed to UCLA, and he came to the Rising Stars camp and performed at corner and safety and was great the first day. He was excellent. It was kind of hard to overlook him. He was making plays all over the place. So great hips and coverage. Uh, a guy who's got pretty good size who can really play on the outside, play corner, uh, get some really good receivers. I mean, like I said before, 
the, the receiver group for the Rising Stars camp was probably the highlight. And so when you got guys out there who are able to kind of contain these receivers, that's saying something. So you watched him match up uh, alongside T.J. McDonald, who's already committed to USC, and those guys look like they've been playing together for years. And I think that's really something that stuck out to Pete Carroll. He saw that. He saw that there was a, an awareness with those two guys that were kind of working as a team in coverage, and he, he felt like he had to have them. So despite being committed to UCLA, Pete Carroll went ahead and offered him, and uh, Byron Moore has been a USC fan kind of growing up. He, he switched the commitment uh, right away and decided to become a Trojan. So, again, another How city section it? guy, uh, kind of a big move. So USC adds two more big four-star commitments to their, uh, to their list. Now, how big is that? I mean, for, you know, UCLA obviously was getting a lot of momentum in recruiting, like you said, last year. You know, New Heisel, Norm Chow, you got a, this, you know, Dwayne Walker, this big coaching staff. They did lose Eric Scott, the uh, wide receiver coach, who was, you know, pretty much tied into a lot of those city schools. But to get a guy like Byron Moore to switch sides, especially from UCLA to USC, I mean, that just doesn't happen all that often. How big was it? It was huge. It was definitely huge for several reasons. One being that Byron Moore is very tight with some of the uh, commitments that USC already has. He's best friends with Merle Presley. So there was a lot of talk on the UCLA side that Byron Moore was going to be able to kind of steal Merle Presley away from USC to UCLA. Well, what happens? <laughs> Merle Presley kind of stole Byron Moore away from UCLA for USC. And so that solidifies, I think, some of the other commitments that USC has in the city section. Randall Carroll, um, even, you know, like a guy like Chris Metcalf. Those guys are all tight. They're all good friends. And now they're talking about playing together, winning national championships together at UCLA. And that's something that really helps kind of reinforce the class and, and the structure of the class. And you don't have to worry about those guys if you're Ken Norton Jr. and Pete Carroll down the line in the season because they're all kind of staying together and they feel like they're going to be a part of the same team. So it was huge on that front. And then the other front, you're taking away one of UCLA's best commitments. I mean, you know, after watching him at the camp, he's probably the second best player, if not the best player, UCLA had had committed. They've also got Richard Brain, who's an excellent quarterback from Los Osos Rancho Verde, or excuse me, uh, Rancho Cucamonga. Um, and, and he's a guy that, you know, definitely going to be a good player for them. Uh, he's going to help them continue to, to evolve offensively. They really need to get production on that side of the ball, and they're going to have that. But, you know, you're, you're going to lose the second best guy in that class to your crosstown rival. That hurts. I mean, you're not just losing somebody. You're having to play against somebody now every year uh, and, and making your, your crosstown rival that much better. So it, it's definitely big. And uh, I think uh, USC right now, I mean, when you look at it, it seems like Shaquille Evans would probably be the only other guy there in that city group of players that they don't have committed. And that's going to be a battle for, between UCLA and USC. And uh, we're going to see how it goes. But USC's got a lot of his friends right now uh, committed and, and already uh, ready to be Trojans. So it's, uh, it's definitely a move in the right direction. Um, and, and USC's definitely excited about it. All right. Well, uh, well, we'll follow his commitment. If you guys want to check out uscfootball.com, Gerard just put up a story about Shaquille Evans up there on the front page. So you can check that out. Uh, I want to switch over to the team ranking. So now USC's, you know, kind of uh, a lot of commitments for the Trojans, usually at this point of the season um, or this time of the year. They're in, you know, beginning of July. They already have 14 or 15 commits. Uh, the the Rivals.com top 25 team rankings came out today. And uh, this is, these are only for the high school committed players. So they have 14 players for USC. No junior college or prep school prospects are ranked in there. Um, and USC comes in at number two uh, behind Ohio State, who looks like they're, if they're not done, they're pretty close to being done with 23 commitments already. It, it goes one Ohio State, two USC, three Texas, four Michigan, five LSU. And, but USC's got you know, a bunch of five-star guys and a bunch of five-star guys still on the radar. And obviously uh, the junior college transfer, Van Gupo, is probably going to be a five-star guy, but they haven't ranked him yet. Is that, is that cool? That, that, that seems uh, pretty on. I mean, okay. uh, they've got uh, a ton of talent. And like we said, you know, coming from the Rising Stars camp, they had four, two four-star guys 
uh, one being from their crosstown rival. USC, I think at this point, quality-wise, has the best class. Ohio State's out there because they've got 23 commitments. Who knows where their class ends and, and, and kind of tops out because we saw last year with Alabama had 32 commitments in the class, and normally you don't see more than 25. It just depends on what the attrition rate is and, and what guys are going to qualify and stuff. And so that's going to become an issue. And, and you know, Rivals actually does have a, a update on rankings towards the end of uh, August to see who actually qualifies and recalculate um, those classes. So that can come into play also because Alabama is going to not, they're not going to have everybody that they signed in this last year class actually play for them. So that's going to probably hurt their ranking. They may drop out of the top ranking. Who knows? So, you know, with Ohio State, you, you never know where they're going to actually end up. They could have end up having 28 commitments. I'm not really sure, not familiar with what their class is supposed to look like. But USC is going to probably be up there in that 21, maybe 22. It seems like the more offers that they give, the more headroom they have to have in this class um, to, to garner some of these commitments. So as far as quality, though, it's kind of hard to see USC not having the top class. I mean, they're definitely on track. And then when you add Hebron Fangupo, who's, you know, like you said, probably probably a five-star guy. I don't see many players, uh, whether it be in the JC ranks or the high school ranks, coming in and being a guy who can make an impact like he can. You know, 330-pound guy who runs a 4.9. He's <laughs> pretty hard to find. So yeah. that's a guy who can make an impact immediately at USC. We'll see how those rankings come along. Those come along in, in August for the junior college players. So that'll be added in there. And, and then we'll see, you know, the rest of this class. USC still has Devon Kennard out there. They've still got Manti Teo out there. They've still got some other five-star guys that they're looking at that they really, I mean, a lot of people feel they lead for. So it's going to be interesting. But at this point, I think USC feels really, really comfortable, really excited about where they are, uh, you know, in terms of the, the, the time of year and where they have commitments and where they are going to go in the future here, you know, coming down to signing day and, and getting down to the wire things when you've got some of those five-star guys who are going to, you know, make their announcements at the end of the year. Yeah, they seem to be year in and year out from the rivals' rankings. They're like the only school that's always – has their average star ranking above four. So they're, they, yeah, yeah, they exactly. average more yeah. than a four-star ranking. And, and even you've got guys who, you know, the only three-star guy that they have committed in this class is Torn Harris. And quite frankly, I mean, I think once people get a look at Torn Harris' his, his film, uh, and he has his film actually up on Rivals, it's uh, it's – it's it's somewhere in his I think his player update thing. Nobody's actually sent it into the headquarters, so it's not in the profile, but it's in a story somewhere. But you watch his film, and it's even on YouTube. It's very impressive. It's hard to think with the height that he has and the speed. You know, he ran a four three seven at USC, which was a hand time on the track, but still, you're thinking this is a kid that's a sub, uh, you know, four five forty guy. And he's almost, no, he's about six foot, and he's long and he's lean. And you watch his highlights and how productive he is at the high school level. You think this, this is probably be a guy that's going to get a hard look at at least being a four star guy. So that's another guy that could jump up, and, and his, you know, upgrade in ranking could obviously propel USC up in the team ranking. So it's, uh, it's looking good for USC. There's no complaints. I definitely agree, uh, guarantee you that. Yeah, and it, just, just for point of reference, Ohio State does have 23 commits. There's only one, only one, which a five-star guy getting a five-star guy is not easy there's usually like 25 in the country or whatever each year um and usc has what they have four right now or and then four yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a little crazy four of their 14 or 15 guys are, are five-star guys um so anyway that's so, not counting fan Gupo, who like we said could very easily be a five-star guy as well yeah and if a devon canard you know all those guys could come in and and add even to those totals but all right so we just want to end on uh one user question so we have a question from jesse and jesse wanted to know he i guess he's really interested he emailed me about taylor Mays's real height and weight and he i think he likes the safety position he wanted to know about ray ray armstrong and demario jeffrey if they were both being recruited by usc as safeties both guys are safeties um i think ray ray armstrong may be recruited as an athlete off the top of my head i can't really remember, but he's probably going to play safety. I think he actually wants to play safety at this point. He plays uh, quarterback uh, and safety, and I think he even plays a little receiver uh, running back at uh, in Sanford there, Seminole High School. Um, but he's probably going to end up being a safety. And both those guys, uh, you, you're talking about Taylor Mays, those are the Taylor Mays type safeties because they're big guys. They're both 6'3", six, 6'4", six, range. And the one thing with this class that you've seen with USC and the safeties they have committed, they're not necessarily the Taylor Mays 
um, Darnell being big, uh, big safety type players. The not the guys that are, they look like linebackers, but they're playing safety. So that's a little bit of a change. Um, T.J. McDonald is definitely going to be a, a good sized kid. I mean, he's a legitimate about six two, and he's about two oh seven, I think, as he told us right now. He's going to end up being in that two fifteen, two twenty range by the time you know he's in his junior year at USC easily. Um, so he's going to be a pretty big sized kid. Uh, Chris Metcalf is pretty slender, you know, one eighty six. I think he runs. Um, when you're talking about tomorrow, Jeffrey, and you're talking about uh, Ray Ray Armstrong, those guys are big guys. They're in that 220-pound range already. Um, tomorrow, Jeffrey, you know, I think specifically probably one of the most impressive big safeties that I've seen in a long time. He's a ball hawk, and he just runs with a lot of authority. He can hit. He can pretty much do it all. So both those guys, yeah, definitely uh, safety-type prospects for USC, um, probably long-shot-type prospects for USC as well. But, uh, you know, they're continuing to recruit him and, and continue to work for those guys. And with, uh, with DeMario Jeffrey, um, he has, uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey there down the road who's already committed. That might be some incentive to, to go cross-country. Um, no relation between yeah, those guys. Say, no one, relation. One guy is R-E-Y and the other guy is E-R-Y. So yeah. um, that's always tricky to make sure that uh, you're on top of that as a rider. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> those, those two are, are definitely good, good players. And, um, you know, it might be, might be a little in, maybe an outside chance. Uh, with that connection, you know, maybe they become friends and give some incentive to cross to the other USC, as they say, in South Carolina. Right. All right. Well, hey, uh, Jesse, hopefully that answered your question out there. And uh, Gerard, thanks again for sharing your insights. And we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you next week. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. All yeah. right. Happy 4th of July to everybody. Everyone have a great 4th of July. Thank you for listening to the 20th episode of the Peristyle Podcast. Questions, just email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.